Welcome to the X-Men Roundtable, an amazing group of divorced men who show up each week to a candid and short discussion about life after divorce from our various and unique experiences. I'm Jason Blount. Thank you for joining me and my friends Peter Hobler, Dustin Drun, Larry McGinnis, and Stuart Young. Here we walk shoulder to shoulder with other divorced dads simply trying to do one right thing after another as we share about relationships, fatherhood, ex-spouses, mindset, and much more. This is the X-Men Roundtable. Hey everybody, welcome back to the X-Men Roundtable. It's me, Dustin, with Peter, Stewart, Larry, and Jason. Today we have a very special guest, it's Eric Lofholm. Uh, he is a local folk uh, to me here in Sacramento. Um, he's a business coach and um, happens to be a success a success story after the divorce thing that we have all kind of have in common. But um, we'll touch on some of that and we'll touch on some other things. I think we were just having a conversation about uh, what we could talk about today. And um, I think vision is important to get us to the next level level of whatever it is that we need to go. We need to be able to see what we want to get there. Other, if you don't have that vision, if you don't have um, a picture in your mind of what you want to be next for the next best version of yourself, it's hard to get there, right? So um, I guess I we can start with Eric, if you want to just introduce yourself real quick to our little, our shenanigans group here, and um, just whatever you want to say, go for it, brother. Sure. Um, Eric Lofholm, uh, my first marriage, I was, uh, let's see here, it was 2002. I was 22 years old. Uh, my wife was 18. We eloped in Reno, Nevada, and uh, we were together for about 24 years, had uh, two kids together. And like probably most people that are divorced never imagined I was going to end up being a you know divorced dad with a couple of young kids and um, ended up getting remarried. And now I've been married for seven years and I have two stepdaughters now. So we have a family of four. And uh, so that's just a little bit about me. Awesome. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, where, where you're, I think all of us in all of our different, you know, professional lives, we all have different avenues and things that we're in, but Eric, as a, as a business coach and as a professional, um, you know, I know one of the things that you coach and teach is, is kind of putting that, like I was saying before, that picture of yourself in front of other people in front of yourself. Um, and we talked about vision, like I said, and, Right before we hit record, um, you were talking about the vision that you had for yourself and the next version of yourself, at, like post-divorce and all that. How do you feel like that is, like, what's your point on, in your position on, like, putting a vision in front of yourself? Like, if you could advise somebody else that was maybe going through something and, or whether it be in divorce or anything in business or whatever, you can tie those things together if you want to. Um, what are your feelings and where would you, how would you advise someone on like at least creating a vision for yourself and how's that work for you? Well, when I was married to my first wife, I had a vision to be married forever. And, uh, I had a lot of, um, shame and guilt around the possibility of divorce and like, what are people going to think of me? Cause I'm this quote unquote, you know, successful business coach person in the world. And, so there was a lot of fear around how people were going to respond to me. And there was also, there was a lot of fear of how am I going to raise two kids and run a company? And uh, I ended up, we were in a, when I was married in this beautiful six bedroom house and moved into a two bedroom apartment. 
And, uh, and I was like, man, like, look at where my life is now. I never thought I was going to be here. And so I, I thought instead of like, kind of like crying in my milk about what was going on living in this little two bedroom apartment, I thought, what is the vision that I want for my life? And I created a vision of getting remarried. And I thought a good fit for me would be somebody else who had children about my age, who was also divorced. And then we could, you know, join our families together. And then of course, get a nice home again. And, and I created that and it it took some time, but I was able to, uh, through just putting myself out there, which is kind of a scary thing. I hadn't dated in over 20 years. I didn't even online dating didn't exist when I was, you know, with, with my first wife. And so that was kind of a real experience. Um, but I, I manifested exactly what I set out to manifest. And one of the most important words I put down on my list is I wanted her to be evolved because I didn't want to have to have a bunch of arguments over stupid bullshit stuff. (laughs) And so I was done with that. And and so I wrote the word involved down and I got it. And so we, my, what my current wife and I, we, we don't argue over a little stupid stuff and we just enjoy each other. And, but the vision was a really big piece in, in creating my, my next step in my life. I feel like too, and I'm sorry, I'm stepping on, if I'm stepping on you, but like, we talk about the law of attraction a lot in this group. And we talk about like you get back what you put out in the world. And so I think would you I think for you to put evolve down on your list of things that is important to you, I think reflects the fact that you were evolved or that you were creating that that next best version of yourself too, right? I mean, do you do you think that's the case? I mean, you you attracted what you were. Exactly. And and I had just so much of my first marriage was arguing over stupid crap that was just so irrelevant. And, and, and so now I had this clean slate and it's like, well, I would rather find somebody that I get along with where we don't have to argue over stuff like that. We can just enjoy each other. And, uh, you know, it, it took some time before I ended up finding my wife. And I remember this one woman I dated and, uh, my son, it was, my ex-wife's time with my son and he needed a ride from me and it wasn't my weekend. And he called me up. He's like, Hey dad, I need you to come get me. And so I'm with this woman on this date and I told her I needed to go and get my son. And she pitched a fit and it was like, you're prioritizing your son over me. And I was kind of thinking, yeah, actually I, I am. I mean, he's my son. He needs, he, there's a situation. And yeah, she you're was, a stranger. <laughs> He was triggered by it for whatever reason. And I was like, this is not the woman that I want to spend the rest of my life. Yeah. And so that's a great litmus test. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was, uh, that was really the the thing that ended our, our relationship. And so, um, yeah, I think that absolutely, uh, law of attraction is, is a real thing. And when we do get a fresh start in creating a new relationship, if that's what we choose to do after divorce, um, really thinking through like who would be a good fit for me. And um, I think a lot of people, they get out of a bad relationship and they end up getting back in another bad relationship because they're not really thinking about who who would be a good fit for me. And in my case, for my kids, part of the woman that I wanted was somebody who embraced being a stepmom. So that was part of, part of how I looked at it as well. Mm-hmm. So very clear. Sorry, Jason. Uh, <clears throat> go ahead, Jason. Oh, you said the word evolve, and I would I'd like at some point for you to kind of unpack that. I think for me, I would say have somebody that's done the work 
Um, but I think I know what you mean by that. But just for people that are listening, could you kind of un- unpack that? Number one, it evolved, and also the second question is a two-part question. Um, the, is I can imagine if you're used to a relationship for over twenty years, you say you're looking for the right fit, but the right fit is that based on that model of a relationship of twenty years. Did you find it um, uncomfortable finding somebody that met those new qualifiers? but you've, always, you've had that pattern running in the background all that time. I've heard people describe it as I found somebody, but they're just boring, but they've got all the qualifiers of the new life I want. And they had to decide it's not boring. It's just not, it's a little foreign to me because I'm used to operating in maybe um, an unhealthy relationship and to step out of that's uncomfortable. And when I see it as uncomfortable, it, it feels boring because there's no, surprise element to it i know what i'm getting right yeah um does that sound familiar at all to you (laughs) yeah as far as evolved and i i like what you said about doing the work you know it's it's really like for me evolved is taking a look at what's my part you know in my first relationship with with my first wife it's it's not all her fault like i have my part so where can i take a look in the mirror and go where did I drop the ball? Where was I harsh? Where was I unkind? Where was I not listening? Where was I not not being loving? And to, to really look at that, um, and I wanted somebody else that was willing to accept responsibility, you know, with, with my new wife. And as far as like like boring, like I think of myself as a pretty boring kind of guy. Like I that's I'm just not I'm not that life of the party guy. And so it's finding a woman that appreciates that, that doesn't like all the excitement. Some people might want a lot of excitement. That's their personality. And so they're going to want to attract a person into their life. And it's exciting and it's kind of up and down. And I just like steady. (laughs) I want to come into my house and know what to expect. And uh, so I want boring. I don't want any surprises. I I live that exciting up and down and I didn't like that. So I think it has to do with our personalities and finding somebody that that enjoys our quirks. You know, that's something I can say about my wife is that she, she loves me the good and all the challenging parts about me. Like she's accepting of who I am and is not critical of me. And my first wife was very critical and uh, basically, you know, was just constantly talking down to me. And that was normal for me. And when I started dating outside of, you know, when my marriage ended, and these women were being complimentary to me. And I was like, this is like really weird. I'm like waiting to be told I'm an idiot, you know? And right. so that was very foreign after a couple of decades of being told what an idiot I was um, mm. to be complimented by a, a woman. And now my wife's very encouraging. She's the opposite of my my first wife. How long mm. was it be- in between you getting or separating and finding your new wife? Uh, let's see here. 2013 is when my first wife and I separated. 2015 is when, when I got married and I, you know, dated a few women in between and it wasn't the right fit. And I, okay, mm-hmm. let me put myself out there again. And cause I really, I wanted my happily ever after I wanted, I didn't want to raise my kids by myself. I wanted to recreate my family. That was really important to me. And I told my, now my wife, when we were dating, in one of our early dates, I said, I'm a husband without a wife. <laughs> like, that's who I am. I just don't have a wife right now. So, <laughs> that's your identity, right? Because you, tw- you spent 25 years in that place. 
That's right. That's and I, I, I love being a husband. I just didn't, didn't have a wife in between the two of them. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to be by myself. And some people get divorced and they don't get remarried and that's what they choose. And they like the freedom or whatever they're attracted to. And But I, I wanted to get remarried. Mm. Mm. And to me, one of the things that it just comes full circle. So often we talk about how important it is to have clarity. And so when you nailed that you wanted to find a wife, someone who was evolved or who'd done the work, like Jason said, that's gaining true, very specific clarity, which is so important. And that helped you create your vision. And then you went and, and manifested by being that person to attract your now wife. But I, I think it, it brings us right back, gentlemen, to clarity and how important that is. But not just having it, but visualizing it and, and having that vision. Mm. I, I did the- I know Larry wants to get in here. Oh. Very quickly, I, yeah. I did exactly the same thing as you, Eric. I wrote, I was on my own for a lot longer period. I chose that. But then when I decided that in time, enough time had gone by, my daughter was old enough, I literally wrote down like, like a manifestation sheet. Like, I don't, I have a different opinion about manifestation. I think it's the way that we train our brain to see the world so that we see opportunities that we wouldn't see when we're more closed off. That's the way I think it works for me personally. And I wrote down that list of attributes that the ideal woman would have. Oh, wow, I'd be massively lucky to find this woman, right? I mean, wow, there's a lot of things on this list. But I found her. She's, she's literally in the next room. <laughs> and she ticked probably 90% of those boxes. But that's because I was now looking for that so i went out on loads and loads of dates i was i was the yes man for a while i just said yes to every single opportunity <laughs> so literally somebody would say i've got this friend oh, yeah i go what i haven't even told you about it. i don't care I was, i'll see her i'll go out with her don't worry about it you know i'll just go and we'll go for a date we'll go for dinner we'll do the whatever i just said yes to everything and nothing panned out until i met my present wife and it became ridiculously obvious very quickly within so it took two years of dating to get to find her and when i when we sat down we we talked and we had dinner we had lunch actually we had lunch and then she said afterwards you know it's getting on and i was thinking oh she's giving me the off kind of thing she went do you want to go and get a coffee at this other place i know it's really nice i was like oh and we went and had coffee and we carried on talking for another couple of hours and then i left i thought wow she's just ticking so many boxes and here we are right because I was tuned to my list. Larry, sorry, I know you was coming. Uh, no worries. Um, so, so Eric, uh, when you got divorced, how old were your, your kids? Let's see here. 2013. Uh, so my son was, uh, my son was 11 and my daughter was eight. So, <clears throat> and I think this is going to, swing back around to uh relationships again um how how was how did the whole process affect your kids that you know the, the divorce the separation but then also leading into uh your your new marriage it was rough on my kids i i don't wish to be my it was really really rough um my Divorce was um, very confrontational. 
Um, and one of the things I've, I've shared with my kids is that, um, you know, when you go through real extreme challenges, like they did, you become resilient and you become mentally tough. And so my kids, hopefully they've gotten a lot of the challenges that I experienced as an adult, you know, it had happened to them when, when they were, were kids. And, uh, my daughter's 17 right now, she's getting ready to go to college. And I keep telling her, it's going to be so great for you when you go to college because all your parent drama is going to be gone and you're going to be able to go create your life. So they're really battle tested, mentally tough, but it's, mm. it was really, really rough on them. And uh, unfortunately, I don't looking back on it, there was just no way around it. It was just mm. a very it was a complex situation. And um, but, yeah, it was really, really hard on my kids. Mm -hmm. And then uh, going into your your second marriage, and 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 you said that she had kids too, right? Yeah, about the same age, or, or what? yeah. So my my um, stepdaughters are seventeen, same age as my daughter, and then then a sixteen year old, and blended family is complex, <laughs> and you know th that's been rough. But having said that, it's been as good as it could be. You know, when you bring two families together, we've got my ex-wife, we got her ex-husband, yep. we got my kids, her kids, the in-laws, like getting all that to, to mesh is, that's very complex and it's as good as it can be. But even under those circumstances, it's very complex. I wouldn't want it any different because it's way better than raising my kids on my own, but getting the, especially with daughters, there's like competing between daughters and there's a lot to it. Um, and it's as great as it possibly can be. And I'm, I'm not, uh, upset or disappointed in any way with the complexities of it, but, you know, a blended family is very, it's a very complex dynamic. And fortunately we're not dealing with, um, in, in my home addiction or dysfunction or abuse mm. or anything like that. You start adding that stuff on top of it and then it amplifies it even more. Um, but yeah, that blended family is, it's, it's complex. Yeah. What was your what was your and your new wife's strategy to helping that blending happen smoothly or, or as smoothly as possible? Yeah, it's a great question. And and really what what we've done is my wife's raised her two and I defer to her, and I'm raising my two and she defers to me. But having said that, it creates a different set of uh, parenting rules. Uh, for the kids and the kids don't understand that right mm -hmm. like well how come the one kid like my my daughter might get um, a social media platform like snapchat well how come my stepdaughter gets snapchat but i don't a kid doesn't understand that you know why do why does this one kid get to stay up later and this other kid doesn't and no matter how you do it there's going to be people that are going to be upset because we all look at things from our own perspective. So, so you don't like find a compromise there so that it's all equal. You just there's really on. no there's no way to do it because my personality is just so like this is how it is, and my wife's the same way. Right. And I have to have harmony with my wife. My harmony with my <laughs> wife is more important than harmony with my kids. Okay. And so we're doing it the best we can. But you know, for anybody listening right now, if you're in a blended family, it is just it's complex and it's, it's just, um, you know, we're all, we're all doing the best we can. And I think as the kids move out of the house and they move on with their lives, they'll be really grateful for 
what their experience was because I, I prioritize my stepdaughters and my wife prioritizes my kids. When I was growing up, my parents divorced and remarried and I live with my dad and my stepmom. And um, my stepmom did not prioritize me. Uh, I it was not part of the plan for me to live with my dad and my stepmom. So all of a sudden, my mom left town and basically told my dad, okay, you got the kids. <laughs> so my dad had remarried a much younger woman and she didn't have any kids. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden she's got a 10 and a 13 year old that she's a stepmom that she, that was never the vision. My dad didn't sell her that. Right. Yeah. Not like as a metaphor, like he was like, we're going to get married and have our own family. And Oh, by the way, I've got a couple kids and you're going to see him at Christmas and Thanksgiving. And now all of a sudden we're living all together. And so that was really hard for me growing up with a stepmom and my dad. And there's a, that's a story for another day. But the bottom line is it motivated me to prioritize my stepkids. So they, they know, I tell them, I wanted you. When I met your mom, I wanted somebody with kids. So I want them to know that they're, they're wanted by me and that that's important. And as they get they're older. Not just I, luggage, right. Yeah. And I think that they'll value me even more as a stepdad when they get out of the house and they're wanting to buy a house or get a car and I'm helping them out or their wedding or I'm their the grandfather to their the their, their kids and all that. So I think it's going to get even a lot better. Not that it's not great now, but it is complex is the word for a blended family. Yeah. And and I can certainly relate to that, Eric, because when I got remarried. Um, it'll be four years in October, but went from one adult child, and Allie will be 26 this this summer, this July, from one adult child to four adult kids, and and I became a grandfather, <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. so and Jay, Jay, our grandson, just turned 11. So it's like you talk about the, the blended family, the challenges, and all the kids are different in their own right. You know, three of the four uh, have jobs or successful. One has challenges and. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a fascinating, there's a positive term to put on it challenge. Um, yeah. but I know from those challenges, I've <laughs> learned more from the kids than they'll probably ever learn from me because I've had to shift my, some of my perspectives and thoughts, change how I not only interact, but how I, how I think about things and how I communicate. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I was just about going to say something like that about like, you know, we're all thrown into this, not thrown into, but we all find ourselves sometimes in these com- these kind of situations. And then I think kind of bring it back full circle, like we have to make adjustments to ourselves to to make the situation work. Right. Like we have to what what changes do we have to make for ourselves uh, and, I mean, yes, you have to like mold your grant, your stepkids and, or not mold them, but like, you know, explain what your situation is or what your position is on something, but somewhere inside of you, you, we each individually have to take the responsibility. Like you said before, Eric, about what, what was my part in this? What's my part in being a stepfather? What's my part in being, a, you know, um, having stepchildren and that thing? Like where, where does that lead me to the next level of where I need to be or who I am or whatever. So um, it is an interesting question. Like there's evolution that has to happen there too. And we're always changing. We're always evolving into that next, next thing. By the way, Eric's a, a former Tony Robbins employee. 
Did you work for Tony Robbins or? Yeah, I was employed by him for three years. And then I was a contractor with him for two years back in the nineties. Okay. So young Tony. Yeah. (laughs) We call him baby Tony sometimes, but we we talk a lot about, we talk a lot about Tony Robbins in this, in this little group here too. But, um, but yeah, I think it's, it's just an interesting, um, I think thing. Like we always talk about evolution and growing and, and all that, but what do you guys think about, um, like be again changing into the person that you need to be to make the the situation as best as possible well you know um the whole transition from uh from marriage to singlehood back to marriage or or whatever is next uh you know this conversation has been uh orbiting around the relationship and having the relationship evolve uh but part and being better parents and being better partners and spouses but i th- I, th- I think the key or a key element is you know, we are our own individuals our own humans too and that's you know we can't forget that uh, uh regardless of whether we have a partner or a spouse or or, or not you know we ourselves have to uh, elevate. Uh, you guys call it evolve, but uh, <clears throat> evolution can go different directions. But like, we do need to elevate, mm. and, and that's a conscious. Uh, it has to be a conscious uh, uh, elevation as well. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I got to think the other part of that creating the vision for for that partner you want. There's the other side of that coin where you are accepting responsibility for that vision and stepping up to that, as has been said, stepping up to the responsibility of having that role, because especially as we're all older men, we've gone to divorce, we have kids. It's reasonable to assume that we're going to have somebody that's on that list that's going to have kids or, or grandkids. And with what we want, there's a responsibility to accept that we have to honor those things that are going to be those, those that's going to come with that person and and it's um and communication talking it over having understanding agreements on on what the relationship looks like uh, it's to have uh, better expectations based on those agreements i know for myself it not being with my kids all the time they've gone through their teen years as much as i want and then you meet you you, you uh have interactions with them when they're when they're older your, your baseline for identifying with them is when they're younger and it, it can go back to that. And so you get a lot of practice. Mm. So there's that communication I think needs to happen with that potential other, not so much saying, Hey, I really need your help here, but you know, lovingly say, I want to take responsibility for, for this role that I'm stepping into this relationship with you. And here's where I, where I can use your help or here's, here's what I want to do. And this is my intentions and yeah, ask for that help that you're going to need to, to, to step into that, that responsibility and be prepared for that too. be open to it. Don't just have be, um, cannot be all my, all my way to make it work. Granted, you have certain rules and beliefs and non-negotiables, but mm-hmm. be willing to step into that, that role and have the responsibility to go with it. How soon in you guys, Eric and and Peter, your relationships with your current spouses, how soon into that relationship did you have the conversation of, well, we have, we each have children. 
how are we going to work this in? How are we going to integrate together? Are we going to integrate it? Did you have that conversation? And what did those what did those conversations? How do they go? What do they sound like? Go ahead, Eric. You know, I don't <clears throat> I don't really remember that specific conversation. I think it was just kind of a, um, just kind of assumed. You know, and, and I, when I'm making a, a comment to her, like I'm a husband without a wife, I'm like letting her know, like I'm very interested in getting remarried. And so it was it was just kind of assumed that we would, you know, come together as as a, a family if the the dates continued on and that we had the, you know, the connection, the synergy, and we felt like we wanted to be together long term. Um, so how, I don't. How soon was it? How soon was it that the kids met each other? Uh, I'm going to guess about maybe a three to four weeks in, um, I, the, the thing about where I was at right at that point in my life is I was in that space where I was, you know, ready and open to get remarried. And so I didn't need a, a long time to pass. I mean, the day, from the day I met my wife, we got married nine months later. Wow. And, um, and I, I knew that I wanted to marry her within a week. And, and I didn't wow. tell her. I didn't tell her because I didn't want to scare her. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, like I knew looking back, I knew one weekend, this is who I want to be with. And, and it's been, it's been fantastic. And, um, but I, I didn't want her to think like, that. how do you know? It's, I don't know how I know. I just know. And the other women that I had dated, I didn't feel that way about any of them. But I felt that way about her, and I still feel that way about her. And we just have a, a synergy. It's not something I know how to like tell somebody else how to create. Like there's either synergy or there isn't. And there's a oh, yeah. a mutual respect that we have for each other and how we communicate with each other. And I think we both just want a relationship that works. And so we don't do stuff to make it destructive, you know. And so, um, but yeah, I, I knew right away. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, it took it took me six six years, I think, six or seven years, to actually propose to my new wife, which I now joke that I was giving her plenty of time to back out. (laughs) (laughs) You have got no excuses. Plenty of time, but obviously she sees it a different way. But (laughs) it must have been six years, actually. Yeah, because we're coming up to our. Coming up to our tenth anniversary, and we've been together for sixteen years. Yeah, so so it took took me a long while. So we're we're actually very similar in some respects that we that we had children, and you know we went out and we wrote a list about what we wanted. But you were like super quick, and I was like super slow. <laughs> One thing that was different though about my list, <clears throat> my standards really weren't that high. Yeah, I wanted to be the snowfall. I'll never admit that. My, my, mindset, my mindset was if God, if you could just deliver a woman that I'm compatible with, <laughs> I can get along with. And then when I met my wife, she check marked those boxes and then she check marked 10 other boxes I didn't even create. Mm-hmm. It's I didn't I didn't have the self-worth about myself. To be like, oh, well, I'm going to go attract in this A quality woman, although I did, but I didn't have that mindset about myself. I was kind of, you know, probably like a lot of men, I was beaten down by my experience and I was at a kind of a low point in my confidence. And 
So I had my list, but it wasn't, the bar wasn't very high. And then I meet this woman and it was just like, oh my gosh, this woman's like, you know, blew, just blew my, blew me away. And so, um, yeah, I was really beaten down emotionally at that point. And that's probably a common thing that people experience in divorce. I mean, it's just such a, it's such a chat, you know, you feel like you're a failure and you're dealing with shame and guilt. At least I was, Yeah. but I wasn't really feeling good about myself at that point. I think all of us can attest to that. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. And then uh, yeah. to answer the question from my end. So yeah, we started having some conversations. I mean, four adult kids um, and they're all four very different. And they range from 38 to 32, 27, 25. Um, my direct daughter, the only one that doesn't live here in St. Louis, she lives in Dallas. So it made it in a sense a little bit easier, though there's still been challenges there, um, than the three that live here. But every one of their situations is different. So we tend to I think Lori, my wife, individually with her kids, but me also, I have, they're pretty distinct, distinctly different relationships with them. Um, but when things come up and we, we do things together with all of them um, at times and it's worked out, but when there's been a, a challenge, whether individually or, you know, Lori and I are, are very similar with our likes, our taste, um, how we think about things, but yet we're also distinctly different. So there have been times, for example, when I've said something or done something that basically pisses her off and we have conversations and then I have to have more awareness, another important trait, right? Um, I have to really work on having the awareness and create that, that shift within me in order to make things work. Um, so we had the initial conversation and then we've had numerous numerous other conversations when something comes up because there's all this stuff that's going to happen that you cannot anticipate that's going back to what jason said earlier about the work that you reiterated right you've got to do that work on yourself and when you when these situations come up which are a bit abrasive that are a bit difficult to deal with as much as we want to just kapow react to something we've got to take that moment that pause we've talked about this pause many many times in lots of conversations but that pause is a moment of maturity isn't it it's, it's a moment we, where we can say i'm not going to react i'm actually going to let myself calm down a little bit and then let my rational mind speak for me and maybe i'll come up with something different and maybe i'll you know grow inverted commas from this from this experience and and see things from a different perspective and have a better outcome potentially and that's the thing I think Jason was talking about earlier, about doing the work. Because it is work. It's hard. It's hard not to just react in our normal pattern, in our normal programming. And to go outside of that and just go, do you know what? I'm just going to bite my lip. I'm just going to close my fist for a bit. And I'm just going to maybe go for a walk and come back calmer and just see it from their side for a bit. Because it's, it's difficult to go against your programming. Yeah, whatever that might be, it could be the reaction you just you talked about, or the opposite of it is with holding everything in, and it's operating in and in finding out that, like was shared, this person's not beating me up all the time. I don't feel condemned. I don't feel in trouble. Whatever that looks like. So, 
and I can speak more freely knowing that it's it doesn't create those uh, what I perceive to be silly arguments or arguments that are elevated above the appropriateness of the of the issue, and you get safer and you so you got to learn to. To, to be in that and to trust that and to operate differently as opposed to holding things in and trying not trying not to walk on eggshells or what you described as being having a bigger reaction and, and be able to calm yourself down. So whatever that looks like, we need to do that work on ourselves, right? 2.0. Absolutely. And that's all exactly. done. It's still happening, right? It's I, I, I'm guessing it's still happening with all of us. It's certainly happening with me still, right? <laughs> it's just constantly finding myself in situations where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have reacted that way. And I think about it afterwards and think, oh, why didn't I do that pause thing? Why didn't I? And for anyone listening at the moment, right, be kind to yourself. You're going to make mistakes. All of this advice that we pump out there with all of our um, conversations that we have, none of us are perfect and none of us are doing it perfectly. We're all just stumbling our way through it and we're trying to share some of the things that have worked for us in in our experience and you know we're trying to help you shortcut something but we're never ever getting it right all the time and neither will you just you just gotta literally be kind to yourself and go okay just forgive yourself for sometimes when you get it wrong and then try and do better next time yeah, yeah learn, learn and grow each and every each and every day each and every time yeah, yeah we're all making mistakes that's how you learn. Right. Except me, because exactly. I'm Except you. Yeah. Yeah, except for Stuart. <laughs> yeah, except for me. Sorry. I meant yeah. to Stuart's good. stuff from that. Stuart has a halo. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any parting words of wisdom for this group or for anyone who might be listening, whether it be in life or business or whatever we're talking about here? I mean, we talked a little bit about being, you know, a blended family and, and vision, and we kind of ran covered a lot of bases here so is there anything that you'd like to share with the world and tell everybody yeah i got one final thought and kind of piggyback on what what Stuart was just saying you know because i'll find myself saying things going man why did i say that oh my gosh i just put my foot in my mouth that was that was a dumb thing to say and i think that whether it's in a uh, romantic relationship or with kids or grandkids and the blended family and that whole thing it, if we can just put ourselves in the shoes of the other person. So like for me, what's it like being a 16 year old stepdaughter living with me as her stepdad and I have power over her because it's, you know, I'm making the rules of the house. My wife and I are co-creating the rules. Like, what's that like? Well, she's from a, she, her parents, of course, are divorced and she lives with us. It's like 70, 30. So what's that like from her experience or what's it like from my wife's experience? The other day, my wife was away on, on business overnight. And so I took my, I offered my daughter's Dutch bros, which is, you know, coffee place that kids really like. And so my wife was really appreciative that I did something nice for her daughters, my stepdaughters while she was away. And I did that looking at it through the lens of my wife and also the lens of my stepdaughters. And so it's really been helpful for me even to look at like um, my wife's ex-husband, you know, look at it from his perspective and what's it like being him. And now I'm a man in life of his daughters and, and uh, to be sensitive as to how I'm handling situations. And 
I'm certainly not perfect and I've made plenty of mistakes and said goofy stuff I wish I hadn't said, but it's been helpful to look at it from different perspectives. And I do look at being a stepdad as one of my purposes in life is to help raise these these two young young ladies. And so um, I really embrace that role in my life. And uh, I want to acknowledge you guys for creating this this platform so other other uh, people can listen in and just know that they're not alone for what they're feeling because I think there's probably a lot of people right now that are feeling alone and what you guys are doing is helping them realize, oh, I feel that way. Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going through those things as well. Eric's a blended family and it's it's complicated. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> so I love what yeah. you guys created in this platform. Oh, Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks for being here with us today. Welcome. Any Anybody else to wrap it up before uh, we all go our separate ways for the week? No, just thanks for coming here and sharing that alternative story with us because that's uh, it just adds to that layer, you know? So thank you. Yeah, and, and a hopeful story at that too. Yeah, yeah. build story. Absolutely. For those that do feel alone and like, am I ever going to find somebody? All those worthy questions that pop up. Thank you for providing a good example of how things can turn out when you set your mind, your intentions uh, in the right path. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. And then Eric, I think the, the whole concept of putting yourself in the other side's shoes, and that could include putting yourself in the shoes of the X or the X to B, because um, we tend to get conditioned and we take things personally we get very reactive but when you can do that and put yourself in the other person's shoes you can stop that and Mm. the irony will be that things will likely be more smooth less combative and better for everyone yeah Mm. so thank you for that yeah Uh, and i loved how you uh uh talked about how you visualize the whole new relationship which you know really um nails down the the fact that this you know this creative visualization really does work Mm. uh and it's not we're not blowing smoke it's um you set your attentions and you you turn on your radar and it does come Mm. heightens your awareness makes you pay attention more yeah All right. Well, hey, guys, thank you again, everyone, for joining us today. Um, thank you, Eric Lothholm. If you guys uh, do you want to do a quick plug out in your business there, Eric, for we yeah, need? If you want to learn more about what I'm up to, I'm the only Eric Lothholm on the planet. So I'm on all the <laughs> social medias. So just Googled my name. And if you're a YouTube person, I'm on YouTube. If you're a Facebook person, you know, all, all my stuff's online under my name. And I'd love to connect with anybody that would like to connect. Awesome. Eric's a great uh, prospector, which... I joked the other day that uh, dating is also prospecting. So, um... <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it so, is. A lot of no's. Got to put yourself yes, out there. Exactly. Selling, selling and marketing. Huh? Exactly. <laughs> well, hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us on the X Men Roundtable. And we hope to see you next week. If you have any questions or need anything from any one of us, please feel free to reach out. Um, and we look forward to seeing you at the next episode. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you guys. Bye bye. Well, I'd say that's a wrap. We hope that our time together has inspired you, lifted you up, and given you hope. 
We all know how difficult divorce is, and so we believe it's important to share these things and let you know that you're not alone. As a man, as a father, as a human being, it matters how you show up in this world. So hang in there. Now, if you like what you got out of this episode, please be sure and hit the subscribe button below and leave us a comment or review. Oh, and please be sure to recommend it to a friend as well. Now, for more information about this episode and about us X-Men, simply check out the episode description. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or just want to drop us a comment or a question, you can reach us at thexmenroundtable at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and we'll support you in any way that we can. Now, until next week, friends, this has been the X-Men Roundtable.